Oh my gosh, welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt episode 107, or in the vernacular, the civilian vernacular, 107. <laughs> that sounds good. Hey, so we're back. We're back for a brief moment. Um, this is a busy week for us in the uh, the factory that is uh, Coal Corp, with only two employees. Uh, myself as the CEO, and you are the secretary I dandle on my knee. Exactly. And we are busy getting uh, book five into the can, and so we're going to have to, basically, this week will just be a thinner, shorter week, and uh, and then next week we're going to be free, so we can do a ton of podcasts. Yeah, we'll make it up to you guys. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, Nick's eyes just got wide because people are interesting people, out and about. <laughs> people are interesting who are out and about doing stuff they shouldn't do. Speaking of interesting people who are often out and about, we, uh, do this podcast every day, generally, at a coffee house in Newport Beach. And, um, so we know there's a lot of characters here. But it's been our coffee house for years. Yeah. And I used to work at it when it was a different iteration by the same owner called and I, Dietrich's yeah. Coffee. Yeah. And I used to go to it. It was my first coffee house when I moved down here yeah. Yeah. before I knew you. And so we always comment on the characters that we see here and that are kind of interesting. And there's one, and he's a new arrival. He hasn't always been here. But he's he's like a new regular because now he's always here pretty much when we come. So he's here almost every day. But yeah, yeah only as of what, the last month or two? Yeah. yeah. And what's your name for him? Well, I, I thought we both call him Adventure Man. What Do you have okay. a different name? I thought it was, that was your name. I thought you. Oh, maybe so. Do you have a different name? Adventure Man. Yeah. No, Adventure Man's good. Oh, mine, let's see. I mean, because we also had a name for his vehicle, like Apocalypse Vehicle, Adventure Apocalypse vehicle, vehicle, like... So his vehicle is some sort of Jeep type vehicle, but more rugged looking, but with like tons of like survival stuff. It's an old, all, it's an old top. Land Rover. Okay. And he's gone to great lengths to make you um, believe that he has most likely been out digging up Indian burial sites at midnight. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of canvas, a lot of wrapped canvas, a lot of ammo cans. But it's it's almost like like Hollywood could not have devi- designed a better prop mobile. Yeah, like that if he was gonna take you, I don't know, on a safari or like in the outback yeah. or something like it has that look, and he has that look. How like, would you describe his look? Because that now we're getting into fashion maven territory. Well, he always wears this leather hat. What what would you call that hat style? Like it's a brimmed hat. Like, as in it has a brim all the way around. It's almost like an Australian Outback hat. Yeah. It's not necessarily a cowboy hat. Like, right. It doesn't like look cowboy. Like I would wear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it does look Outback. But it looks like leather. Yeah. And then, I don't know, he kind of wears all black, like jeans. Or and... he'll wear he'll wear olive drab. Yeah. And sort of like, he very, like, it's interesting. He started off as Indiana Jones. Yeah. And he had m- much more of like a, um, uh, like a college professor archaeologist, you know, which I did a little archaeology in, in college. Yeah. Um, that look, and he slowly added a lot more sort of turquoise and silver jewelry to every finger, thumb, and wrist. And today I noticed he and had... And then this, the last two weeks, he's been trending more shaman. Yeah. You know, m- dressing in much dark, much darker things. 
and he comes into the coffee house and he lays out these um, leather-bound tomes and he has a satchel and like the Medusa and I have had a quiet goal while ordering our coffees <laughs> to to look over his shoulder and attempt to read what he is studying. Yeah, I got a little bit of it today. Now, I've learned a good trick recently. So if I would have had my cell phone, I could have gotten the yes. whole thing because I could have just surreptitiously taken a quick picture yeah. because he had gotten up to order. And so like yeah. his back was to me, but I didn't want to be too obvious. And I was just looking. So yeah. I got, I got a few, I caught a few words. I caught spiritual transformation. And so I was like, that gave us a good indicator that yeah. it was something. But and then he's, but, he's heading toward us. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then you noticed his, his belt, like his wallet chain, like he's definitely gone more scully today. Mm-hmm. So that was weird. While we were talking about him, he kind of came over by the car. <laughs> exactly. Do you think he's using his shamanic skills too? <laughs> like, you know, he's all in Nick Chalk. <laughs> you know, which was that was Apache Chief's magic word on Super Friends. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, Nick Chalk, and then he would just get bigger, smaller. His power was kind of stupid. That's funny. But we needed, in the 70s, yeah, like, what certain racial minorities are now, in the 70s it was Indians. Mm. They call them Native Americans now, but because I'm part Indian, I can say Indian. You can Indian. say Indian. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and so, yeah, so they in Super Friends, they brought in this guy named Apache Chief. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and that's all he could do was get tall. He had wisdom. Like, he could tell Superman, like, if you... If you have like a rash, he would know like some nettles to put on it. <laughs> so he, oh, he had like healing he had, knowledge. Well, I don't know that that was necessarily spelled out in the show, but I would, if I, if I had a rash, I would go to Apache Chief before I would go to Batman. Yeah, I mean, well, it makes sense though that a Native American chief would likely yeah. have some natural healing um, knowledge, some yeah medicine man stuff. Right. Were medicine men? Yeah. Is that like was that in Indian tribe kind of areas or what was what were medicine men? I forget. Well, I think there's medicine men in every culture. Oh. Yeah. But I mean, like when they call him medicine man, medicine, yeah. I don't know. I well, in, in in the cowboy movies, the medicine yeah. man would be sort of like the witch doctor of the Indian tribe. Yeah. So it, it is. Like but he was like the related. healer. That's and, what I you know, that was his job. You know, and yeah. stuff like that, and you know, interpreting the signs and old crow fly in west mean sunshine tomorrow <laughs> he was kind of the weatherman exactly yeah. oh but real quick we never finished what the uh, wallet chain was skulls silver skulls yeah like, it's all, weird like he's, like entirely made of that <laughs> he's morphing from indiana jones into sort of dark shaman yeah yeah i wonder if he's been having some experiences that at the old indian burial grounds at night and he's He's becoming like, if I were writing a Stephen King story, I would definitely say he's becoming corrupted. Yeah. You know, like, so like, you know, the people in the coffee house would begin to notice that he went from this sort of mildly quirky, you know, I'm trying to be Indiana Jones, college professor, to now he, he seems like he knows his way around a good, you know, uh, Aztec heart ripping ceremony. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a good way to put he knows, it. He knows what to do there. <laughs> Yeah, stay away. Honestly, I would be lost. I have to say, like the Aztecs yeah. gave me the crystal dagger, and they're like, "You gotta cut this guy's heart out." I'd be faking it the whole time. <laughs> I wouldn't know what I was doing. I mean, I'd do it, because obviously you're surrounded by Aztecs. And Spears at the ready. They're gonna want some performance art here. Mm-hmm. So I gotta, I gotta get away from these Aztecs. 
Can you choose whose heart you cut out at least, maybe? No, they no? just they, oh, okay. they just bring it's a big line. It's like Disneyland. It's like the ride for Pirates of the Caribbean. Wow. And they wanted it too. That was like a lot of that. Like, well, a lot of them were sacrificing their children, but they ripped out hearts from dusk until dawn. Whoa. Uh, every, I think it might have been every year. It might have been every fifty years. But there was one day when they did it from dusk until dawn and like that because they were afraid the sun wouldn't rise the next day if they didn't do it. Wow. But I do think in a lot of ways you just see it as a form of Baal worship. Mm-hmm. And usually like like so many things in this life, when you get right down to it, it's either about sex or money. And so often it's more about money. And usually when you get into a lot of sacrifice ceremonies, it's usually about sex and it's about people wanting to get rid of their extra children. You know, and get luck and fortune and and have all kinds of libidinous sex. That's crazy. Yeah, humanity's really working with both hands. <laughs> exactly. No, we really awful. should be put in charge of more. Yeah. If there are space aliens, they've driven by and rolled up the windows. You know? <laughs> yeah, keep on moving. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, nah, nah, I don't think they're ready uh, for prime time. Yeah. 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 Which is always funny with the the elite because they come along and they're like, oh, you know, we're all uplifting into synthetic human beings and and um, the uplift and and we're all going to it's going to be a utopian society. And I'm all have you have you looked around and seen everybody, (laughs) you know, like I could take you to some locations that would really disabuse you of that notion that this bunch of war monkeys is going to do anything for you. You need divine sort of external help. And I think that's, you know, they probably realize that because it's like the last podcast we talked about where the likelihood is we're on the same sheet of music as the elites. And they kind of know the outcome, too. But they're solving, you know, you trying to manipulate the masses to head in a, in a, in a different direction. Um, but we 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 would say on our side, like, oh, it's a good thing. Christ is going to be our king. Mm-hmm. You know, and ruler and our judge, and you know, we appeal to a divine Lord, who's merciful and 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 good and loves us and and ha- wants the best for humanity, because that's the only way that we see humanity kind of quote unquote uplifting, achieving humanity 2.0. Which I do believe, like that people who believe in sort of a spiritual life, do believe that humanity is going to achieve a, a 2.0, which is the same thing as sort of the savages, the global elite, things like that. They're the ones that are saying, oh, we're going to achieve a 2.0, but we're going to do it on our own. We're going to bootstrap it with basically turning your bodies into those uh, electrical generation machines in the Matrix and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we were talking or listening a lot recently about... Yeah, it's been mind-blowing. Yeah. Do tell. No, you. Um, it's overwhelming. Like yesterday we, we did a deep dive on, uh, and I think what we're going to do, like I said, when we first kind of discovered Catherine Austin Fitz is we're going to kind of get into some of the things that she's talking about. Cause some of the things she's talking about are just really, um, absolutely brilliant. And I think there's, I think there's some good takeaway wisdom. I think there's a certain amount of wackiness. Um, but the wackiness is now mitigated for me because of the amount of just general insanity you know like things that i would have a year prior or two years ago sort of dismissed and Mm -hmm. said oh that's that's crazy stuff that they're they're gonna make you take a vaccination and you won't be able to work or go see bruce springsteen not that you'd want to (laughs) 
um, if you don't if you don't take their special shot. Right, I know. Ah, oh, there's nothing in the vaccine. There's nothing harmful. There's all these dead kids. Yeah. What is it like in England right now? Like dead vaccinated people over sixty outweigh not dead vaccinated people. Outweigh dead unvaccinated people. Is that what you're saying? I yeah. Think that's what I'm trying to say. Like by how many times? I've seen a couple different things. It was either double. But if you would have, if you would have told me times. two years ago or five years ago that, that there would you would have a two tier system in in society of vaccinated and unvaccinated. And that the vaccinated would would w- willingly take this, and it seems now if you if you constantly look at this number trend, seems to be getting worse for them by the day. Mm-hmm. And then the government Fauci comes out, and all of them come out and say, well, you know, there's there's not enough. And I love that they all know the word efficacy. Mm-hmm. There's not enough efficacy, so um, we're going to need you to take more boosters. Yeah. And there, you know, everybody knows there are vaccine injuries. That's not, you know, the only people covering that up is the news. But everybody kind of knows that. And they're literally going to people and, and making a case like, hey, you're going to need another booster shot. You're going to need another. And in other countries, it's getting upwards of six and seven. Yeah. I believe that, though, that they also are. I think the CDC officially says there are no deaths from the vaccine, I believe. And the way that they've been able to say that is they basically made the order that when people die, where it really seems like it might have been the vaccine, they're not allowed to do an autopsy. I mean, I don't know that they're not allowed to, but it was kind of like, as a rule, don't do an autopsy. Isn't that what we heard? recently yeah yeah. so then they can be like see there's no deaths from the vaccine yeah because you don't let them uh look into it and and, (laughs) And see and the hospitals are overrun but again they're kind of basically always overrun but they are there there does seem to be some problems in certain areas certainly not florida but in all the states that have worn masks and locked down and insisted on all these passports they're having problems and but they they want you to know that like it's not because of covid Mm -hmm. but there are COVID cases, but those are only among the unvaccinated. And then it turns out they're not testing the vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you don't take a COVID test. Yeah, that's true. Plus, again, like you're not you're considered unvaccinated. Even if you just got the shot, it has to be 14 days after you got the shot until you're considered vaccinated, which is crazy because I think most of us would be like, as soon as you've gotten it, that would be maybe if something happens to you. It would likely be maybe from the vaccine if it was within those days. But they count that as unvaxxed. And then let's say, okay, now they get dose two. Well, guess what? Now there's another 14 days where you're also counted as unvaxxed. So it's kind of crazy. Crazy. All the games. All the Yeah, all the games. And, like, also, if you would have told me um, that there would be a two-tier sort of racial cloud, like, that there would be, like, officially sanctioned, you know racism yeah in in the united states i would have said no no i grew up during the 70s watching that episode of the waltons where you know willis was the little black boy and the waltons were nice to him and you know the old racist guy in town was mean to him you know and like we all like yeah i mean no one i mean i I don't really know that i've actually ever experienced like any kind of actual racism yeah me neither observed given or anything like that until now, where you literally see 
this sort of racist push to absolve one portion of the population from any sort of consequences, you know, or, or, you know, basically claiming that they're magical people and that everything's better. And then they actually go out and, you know, after the Rittenhouse verdict, they'll say things like, uh, this was unfair. It's time to start the race war. I mean, this is like coming out of their mouths. It's, uh, uh, communism is the only answer, you know, that, you know, like, and it's like, but what I'm seeing is you guys are being given every, every advantage. You're being given a pass on any sort of repercussions. Oh, really, Nick? Do tell. Do tell. Yeah. Well, okay. So you have Kyle Rittenhouse who shoots three people and it's up for dispute about whether that's self-defense. And he has to post, um, that's his first crime that anybody knows of. And he has to post $2 million bail. There are other people that, you know, are getting marijuana possessions and depending on their race, if they're white or other, um, they're having to post $20,000 worth of bail. But then you go over to the African-American population and you go to all these Soros DAs and they're requiring that they don't, because of their race, they're, they, there's no bail for them. And then we have the sort of episode where the guy goes out and runs over a bunch of people and kills five of them. I think a six just died. I think wow. one just died this afternoon. Hmm. And as I understand it, the guy was pretty racist yeah. from his social media posts. And not only do they not bust him on the scene, they let him go home that with the car mind. dented and everything like that where people and then this is like this has happened before in other cases the kid down in texas who shot three classmates and they just sent him home that is so you know but if this would have been you or it have been me or any other white or you know person who's not black asian you know could be hispanic you're kind of latin Mm-hmm. stuff like that we would have been like you know and especially our social media posts would have been come through and we would have been told you know uh that we were maga terrorists and all these kinds of things and like in this guy the immediate like it was amazing with no one having any facts or any information the entire press immediately ran to say this is not terrorism it's like but you actually don't know anything like there there's no 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 no. i was just gonna agree with you i was gonna say i just saw an la times in there in the coffee shop when i was ordering and it literally the headline was there's no evidence of terrorism in the you know the yeah. incident like in the, Wisconsin. like this guy hasn't said anything public statements the police haven't said anything no one said anything but the media rushing to immediately say and and if you've seen the videos you've seen the videos of people getting run over by this guy and he's not just oh my gosh i hit the accelerator and like we would have that at santa monica's farmer's market like an old guy would go there and he actually hit the accelerator and he'd plow into like 20 people yeah and it was the worst thing ever you know because he was an old white guy and of course the fbi would come in and you know like maybe it was racism or whatever in this, it's almost like a it's it's before any facts can come out, the media runs out to say it's not racism and it's not terrorism. And since we've discussed on this podcast that it's important to sort of reverse navigate, what that immediately tells you is it was terrorism and it was racism because they've looked at his social media posts and they're not good. Mm-mm. And he has posts about running over people with a car. Oh, and he had just gotten out of jail for running over somebody, his wife, the mother of his child, with a car, and he got $1,000 a bail. Not 20000 for a marijuana possession for some white guy, and not $2 million like Kyle Rittenhouse in a self-defense case. This guy was literally engaging in domestic violence 
and hit somebody with a car. And he's like, this is not an isolated incident. This is a guy with a 21-year rap sheet of, of constant and consistent bad behavior. And we have all these Soros DAs, and they come in and say, no, no, no. These people need to be given a special pass because of their magic race color. And that's the biggest racism I've ever heard in my life. Like, I mean, like, it leads me to this kind of conclusion. And and I'm going to say something here, and I'm not being racist, but I am going to get pretty close to the third rail here. So bear with me, because what I'm really saying, I think, is more of... I'm doing this out of concern. I'm, I'm, I'm really doing this on it, honestly out of genuine concern for the subject of, of what we're talking about, which would be African-American people. I have a lot of African-American people. You know what? I don't even have any. I don't know any African-American people. I just know people, and they're great. And some of them have different colors, but I really don't care. Um, I just know people. I really don't get into race. It's not a big thing. For a long time, I thought Medusa was black. <laughs> and that was pretty fun. Sure. Then I found out you were just a regular old white person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just a They would try to put you in black person. operas though cuz you were close. Well, there was one there was Porgy and Bess my first year there. Yeah. And it was so there was like a special audition for it cuz you had to be black to be in it. So I didn't go cuz I'm not black. So I was like, "Oh, man." But then my coach later who was at the time the person who did the casting for the chorus uh, after the fact said oh, why didn't you go to the audition? I was like, what? Are you serious? I could have gone. And I was like, well, I'm not black. And he's like, well, you know, you're like, you have dark, dark enough skin. You could pass. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have known. <laughs> I totally would have gone. So I love apparently Porgy on stage, huh. you know, with the right wig and the right. Makeup. I've heard you sing Summertime, too. Yeah, it's it great. Really fun. Yeah, I would have loved to. But in, in your defense, y- your family's from Brazil. There's a lot of black Brazilians. That's true. And the Portuguese had colonies all over Africa. So, yeah, you probably are black. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and I have curly hair. Who knows? I mean. You have big lips. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. I missed out. The sisters, when you were cheerleading, they said you had the moves. I could do the moves next best after them. And I was cool with that because, yeah. like, they're... They were they were the bomb as yeah. as we would say. And I think you're then. talented. You're one of the smartest people I know, and you're and you're beautiful. And you're brilliant. And, and thank you. That that was true whether when I thought you were black or when you weren't black. <laughs> I know. Who cares? Yeah. Like yeah. Doesn't I matter. I didn't think ever. oh no she's black. She's probably not that smart. Nope. I thought she's brilliant. Yeah. And she's black. I'm just me. Look at me dating a black woman. <laughs> a woman of color. <laughs> a walk. <laughs> No, it wasn't like that, but I jest. But I'm, I'm going to say what I'm going to say here because it's uh, the shaman's bias again. I think he's sensing some energies, uh-huh. some waves, <laughs> getting some impressions. Where he's, he's getting together with some, some surly characters tonight to go out and dig up a, you know, a grave. And, you know, they're going to do some necromancy. <laughs> <laughs> the only people who do necromancy with you in a graveyard in Santa Ana at midnight are not the best kind of people. <laughs> no, they're not. But they're probably fun. <laughs> um, so let's look at the situation. And let's see if Nick can go get his career utterly toasted by what he's about to say. But again, I'm going to throw out this disclaimer. I'm not being a racist. I, I'm not trying to put anybody down. And I'm saying this more as... A paranoid worry. And I'm the first one to say I'm very paranoid about where 
this all is going and it concerns me the sort of events that are being played out okay so you beat around the bush about it enough okay so you have and jump in and save me if i say anything wrong okay but you have these soros da's all these da's like in loudon county for instance i think soros spent 50 million dollars to get that da elected $50 $50 million for a district attorney's race. Yeah. I mean, presidential elections used to cost $50 million. That's crazy. So it tells you what the stakes are. And as soon as these guys, and it's like, you know, Chesa Boudin in, in San Francisco, and you can see what a shithole that is because mm-hmm. the media is not talking about three straight days of looting now. And then I just saw uh, KABC7 in San Francisco said, um, journalists are cautioning the usage of the word looting. Whatever. Yeah, so like, Don't tell us what so, to say. I'm so it's all of this social now. justice crap where you, where you call a crime not a crime. Mm-hmm. But the culture can clearly see it's a crime. The culture can see that this dude was wrong, was behaving badly, is a career criminal, um, should have been in jail, should not have been given this bail, and then was given a free pass based on his skin color, and he went out and did something insane. He drove into a Christmas parade full of people. And then the usual crazy squirrels over at BLM come over at Anafa and they say, it's, you know, it's the beginning of the revolution and this was payback for Rittenhouse. None of these people in this parade had anything to do with Rittenhouse. And now a lot of them are dead and some of them are probably paralyzed. So we have to ask ourselves at this moment, do these DAs and does the media think that we are all so stupid that if you keep doing this, we will eventually go, oh, yeah, this is totally the right thing to do. You know, like, if I do a crime and I'm white, I should pay double and all the penalties and I should be held to a higher standard of justice, even unfair justice, because of things that my grandpa did. Now, my grandpa didn't do anything racist. But, like, that's basically the argument. Because of your genetics, you should be held to a higher standard and you should basically um, be held more accountable than people who are African-American because of the struggle of their lives. Keeping in mind, no modern black person has experienced anything like slavery. And Jim Crow or those laws, that hasn't been for almost 50 years. So you, you would have to be an elderly person now to have experienced those things. But you have a whole group of people living in this fantasy that there is constant racism, except every time that there's racism, the garage, the the noose turns out to be a garage pole or the two guys that said you're in MAGA country turn out to be two guys that you hired to beat you up. Like about 95 percent of the time, all the racism is actually contrived by people claiming racism. That's the truth, whether you like it or not. That's actually the truth. And I don't think I don't don't think I, I, I think when I talk to or listen to um, people of color, black people, like they're the first ones to tell you, like Jesse Lee Peterson, um, other people like that, they're they're the first ones to say, no, this is not right. This is not a good look for us. And that's kind of what I'm zooming, zooming in on, the good look. And it's not about what African-American people are doing or anything like that. It's about what the DAs are doing. You, nothing like, and I would challenge anybody in the comments or something like that to come to me and say, If you have a situation like Waukegan, where a guy is treated clearly more than fairly, really unfairly, and he abuses that and hurts people, do you think that that's going to make society quote-unquote better? Do you ever think the mass majority of people are going to go, oh, this is a good thing? 
That's a good thing. That's a good thing that Kyle Rittenhouse was defending himself. Bad thing. It's a bad thing that Kyle Rittenhouse was defending himself. And is probably going to be broke by the time they get finished with him. And, and has had his life ruined. But this guy who purposely drove through a crowd of people who weren't, didn't even, weren't even aware of his existence... That he's being given a large pass and the media is running out to fly cover for him when not word one has come from his lips and no one in charge of any investigation like but they immediately rush out to fly air cover for him someone just tell me the chain of events you know like think it up and tell me how that makes society better or and what i mean by better is like we all stop doing racism we all start getting along. We all start treating people equally and fairly and as brothers and as inheritors of the American experiment. Whether you agree with that or not, you know, we evolve into a peaceful society where everybody has a pretty good opportunity to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like, how does, how does this do that? It doesn't do that. And they know it doesn't do that. What it does is it takes the culture, which the culture is not black, and the culture is not Antifa, and the culture is not NBC, and the culture is not uh, a bunch of DAs and leftists and things like that. The mass majority of the American culture, first off, is a bunch of white people, over 50%. Then it's a bunch of Hispanic people. Then it's a bunch of Asian people. It's a bunch of people who honestly like America and share some values and a lot of them share many values so you're taking a group of people calling them magic and by magic i mean you're saying that they're above reproach and that they can basically do whatever they want harm whomever they want steal whatever they want to the point that cbs has to actually close its stores because it's getting looted so much um constantly play this game in the media where uh the floor is lava regarding this group of people and not take the culture at large and have them resent this. That's where I'm really going. Because that's what the contrivance seems to be. It's not to make everybody get along. It's not to make everybody understand each other. What these kind of actions do is they're creating a culture that's boiling. They're destroying 40 years of civil rights. Notice they don't quote Martin Luther King anymore. Mm-mm. He's a bad guy. Exactly. That's now, why would you do that? If you're the globalist, and Soros is a globalist, and he's paid $50 million for this DA, and $10 million for that one, and all this money, and DAs are the things, and the DAs get in, and they say, okay, this group of people is magic. They can still murder, loot, and do whatever they want, and we're not going to hold them to account. But you, we're going to be twice as hard on you. Okay. You're going to c- create resentment, and you're going to create anger, and you're going to create frustration. And who do you think is going to be the target of that? Um, the African-American people? The African-American people. It is my contention that these DAs fronting the Soros globalist agenda are basically painting a giant target on the back of black people. And they're going to keep doing these things. Maybe it's, maybe it's this guy. Maybe it's the next mass shooting, the next mass murder. Whatever it is. If, the, if, the, if these lootings and murders and all of these things continue, whether you like it or not, eventually the culture is going to explode. 
And it's going to explode on African-American people. That's just a fact. I'm not saying I'm not advocating that. I think that's horrible. And I don't think you should do that. And I think everybody should be equal and everybody is, you know, about as good as they decide to be. And that race and identity confer no virtue. The, it, you you and your actions are what confer, confer virtue. So why would they do that? Well, we know that these globalists are utopian, utopianists. And they everything they do is to build this better society. And then if we take my theory and we say, okay, they're painting a giant target on the back of African Americans, knowing that the culture is eventually going to explode and that some sort of war will erupt. Now... I'm going to call myself out right there. There's not going to be any war. A war usually indicates fair sides. At any given time, on a good day, the black population is 17% of the United States. Now, add in abortion, add in incarceration, add in all the efforts, drugs, to reduce black population that you can directly trace to left is like oh we need to we need to make drugs more available why so they can overdose we need to make abortions more available why so black people can abort more of their children and not have more black people like margaret margaret singer officially wanted the lady that started planned parenthood that was like on record one of her agendas if you love black people so much and you think you're they're magical then why are you doing your damn best to kill them at every possible opportunity and now we've reached this final moment where they're taking the culture and they're confronting them with black people and using examples of not black people's bad behavior, but bad behavior committed by black people. Specific people, ones. Speci- yeah, specific yeah, ones. Them, but, but there's a, you know, to be fair, there are a lot of people out looting right now yeah. that are African-American. A lot of people doing a lot of crimes and getting no bail. There was a lot of black people and white Karens marching through New York the other night saying communism is the only answer. If we jump to the Soviet Union and Poland real quick, there is an argument to be made that Poland defeated the Soviet Union. And people who have studied that will tell you it's because the Soviet Union and the government and never understood Polish culture. They didn't understand Lech Walesa. They didn't understand the freedom movement, those kinds of things. They just said, well, we're the government. We have all the tanks. We can do whatever we want. Well, history will tell us that didn't turn out so great. Poland begins the downfall of the Soviet Union. And some people, many people will attribute it to this. The government didn't understand the culture. The government just decided to be utopianists and they decided to ignore the culture. And that's what today's talk has been about. There is an American culture, whether you like it or not. And this culture is not going to react well to a group of people that are treated beyond the, how the rest of us are treated. You know, I mean, like you can ask yourself, like, if you went in to get lunch tomorrow, you know, and you're really hungry. And there was a Chinese guy in front of you and they gave him two Big Macs. And when you came in, you ordered a Big Mac, but you got a cheeseburger. And you said, well, hey, I ordered a Big Mac. And they're like, yeah, we know, but you're white, so you get less. And we took the profit they were going to give this and we gave it to that guy. Like, it's not right. You, it wouldn't be right. The, and that's, that's just the American way and that's hardwired into us. 
And I don't think the Chinese guy thinks that. I don't think the African-American guy thinks that. But you have a group of people who they have power right now. You know, they have all the political power. They have all the courts. They have the media. They have a, Now, why are they doing this? They don't need the votes of black people anymore. In fact, if you look at the last Trump election, black people were trending towards Trump mm-hmm. in many ways. A lot of black people are starting to earn more money and they're leaving the Democrat Party. Mm-hmm. Why would you then do something to turn them into a target by the rest of the culture? The only answer that I can come up with, and it's a pretty dark answer, and I really, this is where I was giving the caveat of, I hope I'm paranoid, and I hope I'm utterly wrong, because this is as dark and as cynical as it gets. But it's my fear that the globalists don't want black people to be part of the future, and they're doing everything that they can, from abortion to drugs to for-profit prisons. These are all known things all highly known things to this final end game move of trying to set the African-American culture up in a race war against Chinese people, white people, and Mexican people. If you're going to treat a group of people with kid gloves and you're going to hold the other culture, you're going to bankrupt the other cultures, destroy their businesses, make them pay double, triple, you know, orders of magnitude in court, deny them the same education possibilities and give all those all you're going to do is create scorn for a group of people and when you look at the things that this government is doing in an attempt to destroy you know like today um joe biden is going to release the strategic reserve it's big okay that's about three days worth of gas it's not gonna it's not gonna do anything yeah you know like it, it tells you everything that the demolition of this culture is contrived And my fear for black culture is that the demolition of them is contrived because why would you do this? Why would you allow people that commit crimes to not be held accountable for them and then push the noses and faces of the average citizen into the dirt, into the shit of it, and basically say, see, that's how it is. All you're going to do is cause an explosive rage. The best thing that can be done is that everybody's equal under the law. Mm-hmm. That's the best thing that can be done. Maybe there were inequities, inequities in the past, but this is this is not right. This is not making up for anything. This is, in my opinion, painting a giant target on a group of people and then basically saying, let's him and you fight. When we look at the globalists, that's what they do. They want all of us to fight each other, left versus right, race versus right race versus race and all of it is so that we don't say hey where's that missing 50 trillion dollars from the economy that you can't account for how about us versus you guys yeah how about us no they don't want that someone said this weekend it was interesting but they said you know it's interesting if you watch the movie trading places um that really is the answer to the whole mess i don't think it is i think actually that doesn't fix things i think the answer to the whole mess is and big surprise surprise is jesus Mm -hmm. um it's basically morals. Morals fix a lot of these problems, but one of the great things you get with Jesus is you get forgiven and you get grateful and then you don't want to destroy and you want to live a right life. And, and when everybody's kind of trying to live a right life and overcoming base human nature, which is the op- opposite of the utopianists who say, oh, everybody's inherently good. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not good. That's why we have laws. 
this guy wasn't inherently good and he went out and hurt people. And now you're telling us he's magic because he's black. That's not, that's not right. But what this person was saying when they said trading places is actually the answer. It is. It's about a white rich guy and a poor black guy and two old globalists get together and basically say, let's let's have an experiment where they fight each other and take each other's stuff. And let's see if it's nature versus nurture, environment, and all these kinds of stuff. And they're basically just using the white witch, rich, rich guy, Dan Aykroyd, and the poor black guy, Eddie Murphy, to amuse themselves and to make more money for themselves. Yeah. And it, it did. And in, the, in the end, the white guy and the black guy get together, along with a very young and nubile Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> And uh, they screw, uh, and I think there's like an English butler guy too. And yeah, there is. And they screw over the two globalists and make all the money and they live on a beach. <laughs> Honestly, it's not a bad solution. Like if we could all just kind of get together, like, hey, white people, black people, you're not enemies. Mm-hmm. You're all in this together. And the globalists hate both of you equally. Right. And you should take their stuff. And I'll talk more about that later as things develop, but... I'd plan on taking some globalist stuff if they collapse this culture. I, I think that you should have a plan for that. If they're going to wreck our culture, be prepared to wreck their stuff. I actually, yes, I agree. I thought of one thing that goes along with your theory. Yeah. So I wanted to say it. Um, and it's something that we listened to over the weekend with Catherine Austin Fitz which was we did listen to her thing uh, that she did with Dr. Joseph Farrell about who is Mr. Global. And they basically, they say, we don't know for sure, but here are all of the theories and why, why they make sense, you know, why the various theories make sense. So anyway, one of those theories, um, I'm going to try to like keep it short, but was about breakaway societies and specifically one of those potential breakaway societies, um, which they think now might be wanting to break back into the culture, but was um, the Nazis. Remember, yeah, remember yeah, they were the talking Nazi about the Nazis. And the, that was a lot pretty of, stunning stuff. Yeah, that a lot of that. I don't know if it was like some contingents of the kind of global secret, you know, like the secret cabals of globalists are actually Nazis or former Nazis, or yeah. I don't know if it's the same ones. They're yeah. probably not alive, but you know that same contingent, the ones that kind of got away with it and escaped to South America. Um, she makes an excellent case for stating that that um, World War II really never ended with respect to the Nazis. And she makes an interesting, or the guy that she was talking with made a really great point. He said, you know, Germany surrendered, but the Nazi party never did. Yeah. And much of their South American activity has been downplayed. And there was even the Operation High Jump that was really interesting, where Byrd went, went to the Antarctic. But still parsing that and going through it. But what she was saying there is these breakaway cultures that have basically left our culture and are existing under different financial systems or even technological systems. And it can get pretty far out there in advance, but one of them might be the Nazi International. And when you look at the fact that a lot of the mind control uh, people who worked in the Third Reich went to Madison Avenue to sell us soap, and a lot of the scientists uh, under paperclip ended up doing our rockets and other stuff. Like, did did the Nazis really ever go away? And if they are trying to re-enter the culture, well, look no further than Jesse Owens to see how much the Nazis hated black people. Hmm. I mean, that's like 
that's why it was so ridiculous when they're like, you know, you guys are all Nazis and we need to push you in the face. You're like, you have no idea what you're talking about. You know, like the Nazis loathed black people. And, and that's why Jesse Owens was so awesome. But if they are trying to reenter the culture and remember Soros is a Nazi for all intents and purposes, um, then why wouldn't they? And I hope I'm wrong. I mean, there's another one that I'll say. I really hope I'm wrong, but I I just don't understand how doing the things that the DAs are doing is going to bring the culture to a, a moment of kumbaya where we can all go forward together. I think all they're doing is painting a giant target on the back of of the African American culture and basically whipping the rest of the culture up into a moment of resentment and rage that it, believe me, it won't even be a fair fight. It'll be a, it'll be a massacre. It'll be a massacre for both sides. But at the end of the day, the numbers are just the numbers and the African-American population does not, they are outnumbered and surrounded. And I don't want that to happen. And I don't believe in racism. And this is, you know, sorry. I, I, this is one of those things where our culture has made it tough because you get close to the third rail but i i kind of debated all uh, talking about this through the afternoon because there's there's times i've wanted to say things like this and it's like why why invite trouble it's going to happen you know whatever it is but the i think watching this case this weekend i think the because i'm a thinker and sometimes some some of the things i say get out into the culture and they mean stuff i think that someone should say we should consider that the globalists are trying to not actually promote and help black people, but are actually taking steps to harm and kill them. And I don't want that. And I think that's wrong. I don't think you should do that for any group. Mm -mm. So I put it out there. It's my theory. Call me crazy, but whatever you do, don't call me racist, but you're going to do that anyway. So I said it out of the kindness of my own heart. No, not most of you guys. Most of you guys are cool. Hopefully there's no bad apples in the bunch, but I don't, I don't think you said anything wrong because you were just saying, I'm concerned yeah. that this might be the motive behind the obviously evil people that are um, pulling the strings behind the scenes. You're concerned. Yeah. Like, when you look at it fine. in a certain light, it adds up. I'm sure that, you know, I mean, it's it's a topic worthy of discussion. And I like the discussions because that helps me clarify some of my thinking. But it's worth it's worth considering because, again, I don't see how the current line of thinking adds up to a moment where we don't explode in sort of internecine civil war type strife. That is the podcast for today. We will be back. Uh, maybe if we can do one on Friday, we'll try to do one on Friday. Um, you know, as things kind of settle down, cause I'm getting to the end of the deadline next week, we will overload you with podcasts. We will do a ton for everybody. If you get a chance, subscribe to the podcast. It was brought to my attention that when you subscribe to Substack, I do get some money, um, and that's nice, but actually some money goes to Substack itself. Substack is really important because Substack is where a lot of people who have been um, blacklisted by the culture, you know, or who, like even someone like Glenn Greenwald, who is a leftist, who is a gay man, and who went off the reservation of of their their side and is now out there challenging them. Andy No, um, guy we listened to this weekend, uh, uh, Steve Krish. Oh, Kirsch. You yeah. know, Kirsch. Um, a lot of people are, are, are 
allowed to talk about the unspeakable on Substack. And so a great way for you to, to support that if, if you like these conversations is to support Substack. And you can do that just by subscribing to this podcast at a small financial amount, or you can find somebody else and subscribe to their podcast, or you can just subscribe and pay attention and, and keep it in there, and that helps. And if you get a chance, share the podcast around. We would appreciate that. And that is the podcast. <laughs>